Good morning, I'm Erica Allen. I'm one of the pastors of Horizon. I'm so glad you all are joining us this morning for the second message in our series, Joyful, Patient, Faithful. See, a couple months ago, God drew us in to this verse because we believe in a hurting and desperate world. God wants people who are joyful, who are cheerfully expectant of what God is going to do next. Joyful in hope. That God wants us to be people who are patient, who aren't rushing to the next thing, who even in the midst of affliction and trials and and hard times, who are patient, who figure out how to be patient even in the midst of affliction. We feel like God is asking us to be people who are faithful, who are faithful to following the way of Jesus, who are faithful in building our relationship with him through prayer. God is asking us to be people who are joyful, who are patient, and who are faithful. I am so glad it worked out that I get to be the person who talked about patience. Actually, I thought I had it worked out where Chris would be the pastor who would talk about patience, but this morning I'm the one who's talking about patience because maybe I'm not the most patient person in the world. As soon as I read patient and affliction, images of 10 people in line in front of me and the Publix grocery store came into my mind and I like literally almost can't, like I cannot take it. There is nothing worse than having to wait for 30 minutes in the grocery checkout line. Like nothing worse. I, I, I began to have images of how long it takes my three-year-old to put his shoes on and walk to the car seat, like 30 minutes. He puts on his shoes the slowest of any human being I've ever met in my entire life. And who knew that in the 10-foot walk from the door to the car seat, there are 9 million distractions for a 3-year-old. And it takes us 20 minutes to walk 10 feet. I am not patient in the mornings when it is time for us to leave with that walk from the, the door to the car seat. I'm just not patient in the midst of that. I've not been patient with my husband. He has a honey-do list that's pretty long. I've had furniture that I've asked to be built for our room for over a year now, and it's still not built. But be patient, Erica. That's what God has been saying to me this week. Be patient, Erica. The last six months, I have longed to worship our God in person with each of you. Longed for the moment we would be together, singing together, worshiping together, praying together. I've longed for those moments. And for six long months, we've waited for clear answer when to begin in-person worship again. And it's just still not time for us to do that yet. I have grown impatient. I have not been patient in the midst of this affliction And I was drawn to these words in Romans chapter 12, verse 12, because God wants to make us people who are different. He wants us to be people who are joyful in hope for a world that's desperate and hurting. God wants us to share and know and experience joy, deep joy in a world that likes to put our stuff in a microwave and it pop out and things be done and over and ready for the next thing, God has asked us to be people who are patient. In a world that's so faithful to nine million other things, God has asked us to be people who are faithful in prayer. And this morning we're gonna look specifically at how God asks us to be people who are patient in affliction. These words weren't written to people who were eating a slice of dream pie. These words were written to people who were living in a world 
that was coming apart at the seams. They were written by a man who was stuck in a jail cell. Paul was holed up in jail, right? Like behind closed gates. He was in jail when he wrote these words to be faithful and joyful and patient, even in affliction. He wrote these words to people who were living in a world where the government was turning over on its head. Things were falling apart. He was writing this to a world whose economy was crumbling. He was writing these words to be patient in affliction to people who couldn't figure out how to get along with one another because they didn't believe the same thing, they didn't look alike, they didn't think alike, and they didn't worship the same God alike. The world was falling apart at the seams, and Paul says, be patient in affliction. Like, why did you say that, Paul? And he didn't just say it to people who were experiencing these big worldly things. He said it to people who were experiencing these big worldly things and who even in the midst of that, their own personal worlds were crumbling. Their marriages were falling apart. Their kids were misbehaving. Their addictions were rearing their ugly heads again. Their depression and their anxiety was almost overwhelming them all over again. Their worlds were falling apart. And Paul's advice to them was be joyful in hope, be patient in affliction, and be faithful in prayer. Patient in affliction, patient in the midst of this hardship and this suffering, Paul. Why would you say that? Why would you say that, God, to people who are in the midst of affliction? And this is what I came to believe with my whole self this week, that God asks us to be patient in affliction because in the waiting for the next new and big and good thing God is doing, in the midst of being patient for that, God is healing us, God is making us new, and God is preparing us to be people who can shine light and ignite change in God's new day. How? How, Paul, do you want us to be patient right now in affliction? I think Paul had to slow down. He was starting new churches, making tents. He was working so very hard, right? There was no work-life balance anymore for him. And all of a sudden, he finds himself in jail. He had to slow down. He had to stop. And there were a first few weeks of that slowing down and that stopping in jail that probably were about as comfortable as it was for us in those beginning moments of COVID when we were brought to a stopping point. Things were really uncomfortable. But God told him, be patient in affliction. You've spent your life, Paul. You've spent your life putting my love in action. You've built tents to make money for the churches that you're starting. You've used your words and your gifts and your life to teach and show the way of Jesus. And right now, I need you to stop. I need you in the midst of this jail cell to figure out how to be patient, how not to just wait for the, for the moment you're going to break out of this jail and be free again, but how right now you can be patient and learn what I need you to learn so that you can continue to be a person who's leading and loving and, and ready for the next big and new thing that I'm doing in the world. Paul says to people, if you want to be patient in affliction, you have to slow down. Because as you slow down, you begin to put love in action. You begin to see clearly the people around you who need you to be patient. You begin to see more clearly the bigger picture things and how they're not quite as big and overwhelming as you think they are. As you slow down, the bigger picture becomes clear. In the midst of that jail cell, Paul had to be patient. He had to be patient for the next new and big thing that God was going to do to free him up, to free 
him up. Paul had to slow down. And it was the way that he began to have love in action for other people. As we are patient, even in the midst of our suffering and affliction, God is offering us healing so that we may love others more fully. Have you ever been in a relationship with someone and you're like, oh wow, you've got some hurts and some hangups that you've not dealt with yet. See, when you're patient in the midst of suffering, you don't rush to the next new thing and it gives God time to heal you from the inside out. I'm not saying God can't use you in your hurt and in your woundedness to, to help, help heal the world. I'm not saying that, but I am saying God can use you the most when you've been patient in affliction and allowed, a God, allowed God to heal you in the midst of your suffering. When you've allowed God to build the gifts for leading the next big and new thing God is doing, when you've allowed those to really take root in your life for the next thing, you've got to slow down. So, in the midst of slowing down, you figure out how to put love in action. You figure out how to heal. And the third thing is you begin to see the bigger picture. Paul, that jail cell no longer had power over, over Paul's life. He knew there was something bigger, and they couldn't box him in any longer. There's a moment where the bigger picture becomes clear when we've slowed down. In the hardest days of the pandemic, when we were locked in our house with our two-year-old and our three-year-old and I was expecting a baby, we were trying to figure out how to just survive day to day and keep Horizon afloat. Things were busy and hectic and hard. And I remember David had been playing outside in our backyard for hours. And his little three-year-old sweaty boy self came and snuggled in my lap. I remember smelling him. And he smelled just like a boy who'd played in the yard for three hours outside in the Florida sun. I remember smelling him. And I remember in that moment as I had slowed down in the midst of everything, as I was patient not to rush to the other side of getting out of the house with my kids, as I was just patient even in the midst of the affliction, I smelled that goodness of David's sweat, of David's getting to experience the yard for three hours like a like a boy really should get to. And I remember thinking, this, this is a moment of God's goodness. That being patient in affliction helps you realize that the suffering isn't overwhelming and doesn't have all control over your life. That even in the midst of the suffering, God is with you. That a little boy enjoying the simple gifts of God's earth, of the grass and running and rolling over and sweating in the sun, that those simple gifts were a reminder that even in the midst of pain and suffering and hard seasons, God is with us. Later that night, his sister begged me to lay down in the bed with her, cuddle her up. I didn't have a whole lot else to do, so I laid down in the bed with her. We don't usually do that. I laid down in the bed with her and cuddled her up until she fell asleep. She has tight little curl ringlets, and I remember them tickling my nose. And even as hard as life was in that moment, the tickling of her curls on my nose was a, a reminder that God is with us. This is the biggest reason I think Paul reminds us to be patient in affliction because when we slow down, we begin to see that God is actually there with us. God's goodness is still with us even in the midst of the suffering and the hard things that we are going through. There's some moment where God's going to say, I am with you you. Be patient. Slow down. I am here, God says. There are going to be little things around you that remind you 
that being patient in the midst of affliction opens your eyes to people who need you to love, who need to put the love of Jesus into action. And there's going to be a moment where God reveals the plan for what's next. And it might not be the most comfortable thing you've ever done, but you realize you are prepared for it because you were patient in the midst of suffering and God did in and through you what only God can do. For those of us rushing through life, rushing to the next thing, God invites you to be people who are patient, even in the midst of your suffering. Faith and Adam are going to sing a song that reminds us that even in the midst of fire and trial and turmoil and heart, there is someone else there with us. There is another in the fire with us. And that God is doing something right now in the midst of all of us as we slow down, as we work to be more patient even in the midst of our suffering. God is preparing us for the next new and wonderful thing God is about to do in our lives and in the world. There is another in the fire with you this morning.